Welcome to the Washington Show. This is Lord Extra Cooler, and welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so, uh, what's in the cooler? Oh, <laughs> just blew my mind. <laughs> your rhino, your rhino's on ya. Extra credit. Sports, 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 sports side heater. Extra credit. Welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Extra Cooler Show. My name is Nick, otherwise known as Extra Cooler, and this week I am joined by the Hop God at Matt's in the Cooler, Mikey Workrate, and we are welcoming on Acefield Retro from the Turnbuckle Tavern. He is on uh, the, the Honor Society, the Shot of Nostalgia, and the AEW Wrap-Up Show. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Thank you for filling in for Jim this week. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. I am a longtime listener. Not just saying that because I'm on here, but I do enjoy the pod you guys drop every week, so this is an honor to be on here. Thank Appreciate you. That. Thanks. Hey, Jim Jimmy Polo is uh, out o- over in Hawaii, uh, vacationing with some family. That that lucky duck, and That's a shoot, uh, brother. Yeah, so we decided we we were like, you know, who can take us to school this week? Uh, you know, everybody knows I'm a teacher. We're, I'm going back to school at the end of this week, and uh, let's let's take us to school, okay? So uh, the match of the week that you picked. Uh, is Vince McMahon versus The Undertaker in a Buried Alive match from Survivor Series 2003. It takes place November 16th, 2003 uh, at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Man, there is a lot that goes on this card. Uh, And you actually um, originally posed either this match to us or um, the big Survivor Series match with uh, Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton. Um, and ultimately, we we landed on this buried alive match, and quite frankly, I couldn't be happier. This is smack dab in the middle of that ruthless aggression. I know everyone's sort of waxing poetic about those figures that have been dropping, but you see the emergence of Dave Batista, Randy Orton, Stone Cold still around, not in active capacity. Shawn Michaels is making his second run. It's there's a lot in this card and on this type of year of, of WWE. It's a lot of fun. So I figured this would be a good because you guys covered Survivor Series. I wanted to go a little bit further in history, but we want to get the fall feel here. You mentioned going back to school. Autumn's among us, which means Survivor Series is approaching. Yeah. Hell I yeah. I think uh, Cena just turned uh, face in this one right before uh, this Survivor Series to go with Team Angle as they faced uh, Team Lesnar. Yeah, they're building up his match against the Big Show. He'll be his first championship win, I mean, among many, but his first United States championship win at WrestleMania 20. They're building him up for that, and you know, he feuded with Brock Lesnar earlier in the year for the world title, but no one actually believed he'd win. They did it the right way. They used the mid-card title to get him to the main event, and then Cena was off to the races from then. So um, I, I did say earlier uh, about you taking us to school. Um, we're all at this point in 2003, in November, uh, myself, Matt, and Mike, we're all uh, seniors. It's our, our final year in college. Uh, we're away at school, so... We were sort of, you know, I went to WrestleMania 18. I paid attention. We, we were paying attention, but we were definitely starting to, like, fizzle out a little bit during this era. Um, and I remember hearing about this. I don't remember watching it. Um, 
but going back and watching it and doing my homework, it's like, whoa, this is this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was same boat. 2003, I was completely out. I uh, I did SummerSlam. I'm sorry, I did Survivor Series 2002, which was at the Garden, the first ever um, Elimination Chamber match. And then I like fell off a cliff. Like I don't remember anything really beyond that. And uh, this was super refreshing. And you know, we we had Tom on from the Turnbuckle Tavern. He brought us through Roddy Piper, and I, I said it while I was a guest spot on the uh, Shot of Nostalgia. Ace is doing god's work over there when they're running through <laughs> 1996 and uh wcw and you are the perfect man to fill us in to bring us up to speed on this 2003 so uh man i'm stoked i'm very stoked to have you i appreciate that it's weird to step outside of 1996 right now i'm like yeah, stepping sure. into 03 <laughs> yeah. time warping so as we record the next episode of shot and nostalgia it's gonna be weird to dive back into that era but it's a lot of fun and refreshing as you mentioned yeah, it's a so shame we just did '95 uh, World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to be attached to that one. I'm 1996 yeah. only. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Uh, but I jumped ahead real quick. But Ace, uh, let everybody know, you know, a little bit about yourself and kind of how you landed here and, and and all that good stuff. Well, so as far as the Eastfield Retro brand, if you will, it's on Instagram at Eastfield Retro. You guys can follow me there. I post some memes, news, things like that. Mostly it's to hype up the shows I'm on the tavern. Every once in a while, I'll drop a bell to bell interview session. I'm up to episode six at this point. I'll be having Sal Savelli from New York Wrestling Connection on in mid September as he prepares for a last man standing match with Dickie Rods. So that's going to be September 24th from, I don't know where they're actually having the show. I think it's St. James on, on Long Island, New York. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing stuff with Turnbuckle Tavern since March. Main appearance on the debate, started the Honor Society, and it's kind of floated into I'm on the wrap-up weekly, and now Shot Nostalgia is this like brainchild that myself and Mike Belcaster created from just a little spark of an idea, and it's been so much fun. And we have Season 2 pre- uh, prepared for ECW 1995. We don't know what Season 3 and Season 4 will, will, will I guess, entail, but it's going to be a great time, and I, I, it's my favorite time of the week to revisit Nostalgia, and you guys do it better than anybody. Well, thank you. We we really enjoy the shot of nostalgia. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, especially yeah. the way you guys yeah. break it down in chronological order and kind of go through things week by week. Do you guys have any hate for Dave Meltzer? I know he gets a lot of heat with the tavern. <laughs> he is like our he's our guide. I, I would say he's not always accurate, but at least he's the one chron- chronicling the information. Yeah. In order, sure that. Matt, Matt really likes how he gives uh, quarter star ratings, especially oh, <laughs> the worst quarter stars, bogus. So uh, we're going to continue talking about this match, but uh, I'm going to definitely sprinkle in some some other questions for you as we go, because we want everybody listening to get to know you a little bit more and, uh, you know, all the good things you're doing over at the tavern. So um Let's go back to the match, right? Uh, the Buried Alive match. So the broadcast team that we've got is Michael Cole and Taz. Uh, it's 2013. And uh, from my homework that I did, you could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, during this era, we've got Vince kind of going after everybody, right? He's targeting everybody on the SmackDown brand um, from Hulk Hogan to uh, Zach Gowan and even Stephanie. Uh, then over in the October No Mercy pay-per-view, um, he went after, started going after the Undertaker, who wanted, to, who was facing Brock Lesnar, shoved him off the top rope, helped Brock retain the title. 
Um, later on, Vince stated that as long as he was breathing, the dead man would never be champion. Um, and then he really started to show these signs of Vince kind of like like breaking, coming a little crazy, right? And we see that uh, in this pay-per-view where he comes out, you know, clenching his fists like he's praying to a higher power. Um, and then things get a little little crazy at the end of October where, uh, you know, Jesus, the writing was on the wall as uh, Vince starts threatening Undertaker's house be burnt down. And uh, I don't even want to talk about what he says. He was it was rough do. to go back and look at that <laughs> yeah. bill. I cannot believe they're using the verbiage that they were. I mean, oh, different time and place. It, sure. it was it was very uncomfortable because I did not know that part happened. And I was like, whoa. And then like actually right before the match when Michael Cole is talking about it he talks about it how Vince says what he's going to do to the Undertaker's wife um, and and the wife at the time is Sarah right the one that he has the neck tattoo from I believe uh, so the, yeah the, the one he got covered over a little right. little while later yeah right um, the comment just seems completely unnecessary and like one of the vintage stupid Vince McMahon things to spew out there Ooh. It's not looking so great right now. <laughs> no, not stuff at all. Floating around around uh, Mr. McMahon himself. <laughs> no. Um, and then so then we have uh, the the little promo that I, I almost like had to pause it and kind of turn up the volume because I didn't realize it was being narrated by The Undertaker at first. Like yeah. it doesn't sound like him. He doesn't have that like deep, like gravelly voice that he usually has. Uh, he says on Survivor Series night. Uh, I've worked for this company for 13 years, and in those 13 years, Vince McMahon has screwed me professionally and personally. There comes a time where you have to be held accountable for your actions, even if your name is Vince McMahon. How appropriate. How fitting, <laughs> How fitting <Yeah>. right? <laughs> How appropriate. Um, I, I, I feel like that was like more Mark Calloway. Yes. Talking like I, I know at this time, kayfabe's not dead. And, you know, the Undertaker is always and will be the Undertaker. But like Mark Calloway's voice was there. It wasn't yes. spruced up with Undertaker raspiness and no. Undertaker tones. And even the cadence at which he speaks felt normal. And it wasn't the really drawn out and slowly spoken Undertaker. But again, this is this is dead man walking. Right. This is the yeah, uh, big evil. The, Yep. Big evil, thank you. I was going to say big devil, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, he might so, have called uh, himself that a little bit there down the line. Yeah, um, but for me, it was like I watched this promo package at least three or four times, yes. and I was one of those that you like turn the the uh, exactly the quote that you read was yes. where you slow it down. You turn on the uh, the yeah, subtitles, and you're like typing away. Like, yeah. All right, pause. <laughs> type pause because i wanted to get it down verbatim it's just wild wild this is like one of those matches where like if your significant other or like your parents walk in they're like what the (laughs) hell are you watching you know this is one that like you hope nobody walks in on you watching oh Oh, that's for sure there's there's worse like this one's at least the spectacle like you can get this one passed on like this is just an absolute shit show come watch with me (laughs) where other ones you're like "Uh, this is embarrassing yeah biker taker gets a lot of heat in a lot of the fandom everyone wants to talk about how great the dead man was but i i think you got to give credit to the biker version of this taker big devil red devil whatever you want to call him here he this opened up his style to the to the point where we got some of those five star matches with Shawn Michaels. Yes. Even when he went back to the dead man gimmick, he opened up his style much more where he wasn't working that rhythmic style. And I know the attitude error, he wasn't 
completely the dead man. He was doing the ministry stuff, so he wasn't. He was blurring that line a little bit, but this completely opened him up to use submissions to be a little bit off the top rope. So he became more of an eclectic type of performer because of this gimmick. And I prefer the dead man, but I, I got to give credit to the biker gimmick because it let him be a little bit more creative. And I know that Taker has said in the past he likes this time of his career the best because he didn't have to live in kayfabe like you were mentioning, and he can just be himself because this is Mark Calloway, right? Like he loves yeah. the bikes, oh, without and a doubt, the bandanas and stuff. So this is him. Last ride too was his new move during this time. Yeah, he saves your knees a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, all right, before we do uh, what's in the cooler, should we talk about Taz's keys to victory? Yes, <laughs> yeah, oh, let's do it. I this saw those awesome. and I was like, I was like, what? What is this? What are they trying to be Fox Sports right now? Like right, right before the big game. Uh, what's your favorite key to victory? <laughs> oh, those like- evil submissions. <laughs> no, my favorite was avoid the hole. That's what I got. Avoid the hole. Yeah. No shit, Taz. It's Mikey Workrate's dating life prior to his wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So before we, we get into the introductions and this match, uh, let's head over to, to What's in Everybody's Cooler. The Extra Cooler Show and What's in the Cooler is brought to you by Sloop Brewing Company. Sloop Brewing is grounded in the traditions and craft of brewing, but always seeking adventure and new horizons of flavor. Known for their hazy and golden IPAs like Juice Bomb and Super Soft, Sloop was named the fastest-growing regional brewery for 2019 by the Brewers Association. Be on the lookout for more coming from the Extra Cooler Show and our favorite brewery, Sloop. So, what's in everybody's cooler? Let's let our let, let's let our guest go first. Ace, you want to start us off? Sure. This is my favorite, and shout out to Sloop. Some great beer. You guys have been hyping them up, and it made me look out for them. And I'm now I'm not only following them on Instagram now. I bought some merch. I'm gonna be nice. you know purchasing their beer whenever I see them. I'm on the lookout on Long Island. So Sloop, come my way. I love the beer you guys are doing. That Juice Bomb beer, epic. But what's in my cooler here? I got the Blue Point Summer Ale, uh, local to Long Island. Blue Point does a great job with all their seasonal beers. The Summer Ale. I'm saying goodbye to summer. Uh, it's nice, you know. It's poetic a little bit here as we introduce fall. I'm drinking the Summer Summer Ale away. It's my last two in my cooler. So I'm saying goodbye to summer with my one of my favorite beers, honestly. That's a good one. We I talking, like it. We were talking before we came on, and uh, the the Blue Point Toasted Lager. I was on a kick for what felt like years. Like I was weekly going out with the same crew. We'd go to Wing Night in uh, in Newburgh, uh, Newburgh, New York, um, and we would always get the toasted lager and at least a dozen wings and just hang and play pool. And like, it was toasted lager every single week for me. So uh, I'm Not glad you brought toasted. that in your cooler. Got to represent. <laughs> I will jump in and I found myself some super soft from sloop this week. I hadn't seen it in a while and went to my local BD, uh, saw it there. This is their IPA with the no boil hops. So it really uh, lowers the tone and the bite of your, your hop forward beers. So it's a lot more easy drinking, uh, six percenter. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, Sloop never disappoints, and they have your cute little teddy bear on the can, too. Yeah. So. I would say that Cheers, outside fellas. of Juice Bomb, or at least around us, that's like the easiest one to find outside of Juice Absolutely. Bomb. Mike, what do you got? I got from uh, Zero Gravity. I didn't go Sloop this week. I didn't get a chance to, to go out and get some Sloop. But uh, I got uh, some Zero Gravity. It's called McLighty's. McLighty's Light Beer. And let me tell you something. Getting this was a mixed steak. 
Probably the only first half. Yeah, yeah. It's nine calories. It's well done. It's one of those like, uh, you know, light like. Yeah. Those ninety calorie beers from that they're all making right now. Uh, Yeah. This one's just like watered down. It feels like not a huge fan, but yeah, it's it's okay. Maybe if you were drinking it outside today when it was like ninety degrees, that would have hit a little bit better. (laughs) Big time. I'm sure it would have. What you got? Uh, I've got Juicier Bomb by Sloop. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it tastes like a juice bomb, but a little stronger. Uh, I think the first time I had this was at the brewery at your 40th birthday, Mike. And uh, oh, yeah. the way the way I could describe it is it tastes like juice bomb, but you could taste the alcohol a little bit more. Uh, that's like the, the best way I could describe this one. Um, yeah. But it's still, it's still solid. Jim had it last week, I believe. Um, or two weeks ago i don't remember but anyway let's get back into the action my producer is uh toying around with some some new prompts uh some Uh some new sound bites I take one week off and I'm as rusty as you were last week. I'm struggling here, <laughs> fellas. I apologize. All right. So uh, Ace brought us our match of the week. It is Vince McMahon versus The Undertaker in a Buried Alive match from Survivor Series 2003 in Dallas, Texas. So let's get right back into it. After the promo, we've got hands down the worst version of The Undertaker's entrance music. Uh, and this is coming from someone who saw Kid Rock in concert back in <laughs> what 1998. Uh, <laughs> That's but, right, Hammerstein Ballroom. That was like ball with the ball, like Kid Rock, like fresh out, and uh, you know strippers in the cages on stage. But this is this is awful. This is <laughs> the the worst theme music entrance music for undertaker and then he doesn't even come out with a motorcycle he's not even riding a bike i was there's no, shocked there's no pyro there's no like light sequence there's no bike there's no nothing this was like really bare bones big evil <laughs> no yeah big evil spend all um, the money on that big skid steer or front loader or whatever yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right <laughs> they're hyping this up that this is the 13 year anniversary of his debut which we all know happened um at the survivor series that we just recently covered um and man i i know like i understand what ace was saying earlier and i completely agree this version of you know uh American badass, this version of Taker, it changed him as an in-ring talent for the better, without a doubt. But at the time, especially like early 2000s, I I hated this version of Undertaker. I could not stand him. I don't like post-ministry. I was not into it. But it was you, it was honestly was... leading. It was leading him away from this too. Like people got to remember, like this was written on the wall that he was going back to be the dead man. They were showing vignettes and showing hints of the lights going out. So you wanted it so bad. There was always the chance that they were going to do the the beat and switch because of, like I mentioned, Taker enjoys doing this gimmick so much. But going into the Survivor Series, I remember knowing we're going to get the dead man back at some point, preferably at WrestleMania, but who knows, maybe sometime in between. 
it's it's man it's it's interesting um you know but i, I was t- i was into it as i was rewatching this um so then after him we've got vince come out and <laughs> again i will i will say preface this by saying i did not watch this live and i watched this with very fresh eyes and this gimmick that vince is pulling off as he's walking out with that creepy smile and <laughs> Listen, man, I went to church. I went to, uh, you know, CCD. our version of CCD, for those who don't know, is once a month I had to go. Matt, you're the Catholic school guy. But I don't recall ever being taught to pray the way that Vince McMahon is praying and walking down the aisle clenching his <laughs> fists. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't for the announcers explaining what was going on, I would have had no clue. Because yeah, it's same, like same. balling his fists. It's not the uh, angelic, like, hands yes. together, flat, yeah. like... No like, uh, thing that you see in all of like the, 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 the holy why. pictures. But yeah, I, I mean, I only did four year sentence in, uh, <laughs> at Catholic high school. So uh, Vince comes <laughs> in the I'm ring. Wrong. He takes takes a knee in the corner and he's he's praying to that higher power. And then he turns around. He meets Undertaker in the middle of the ring and they just like lock eyes. And Vince has the creepiest smile. And he's like, it's like, you can't tell if he's begging for mercy or he's he's. You can read his mouth, and it says something about the higher power. Yeah, um, and it's just before we before we get into the the really crazy part of this match, which happens right away. Oh my god! There was like no reaction for Vince when he came out. Like, no. I, maybe I'm just so like conditioned now of no chance comes on, and the entire crowd pops huge and screaming along with the lyrics. But like, there was nothing. I was really taken back by yeah. it of like I feel like yeah, Taker time for sure. Taker too it didn't have as big of a pop as I thought he would have being in his home state. I, yeah. I think it's the spot on the card because people just got done with almost an hour and a half of that Survivor Series match where Shawn Michaels was bleeding all over the place and we just watched I allegedly Stone Cold's career ending. So people were a little bit I guess in shock yeah. and this was the in between of this and Goldberg. This was the bridge from that match until the main event. So I think this was just a down part of the card because it is weird, the fact that they're in Dallas and Taker did not get a huge reaction. Vince got no reaction, which is worse than right. getting booed at all. It's, it was You're right. It was it was minuscule. And clearly, so the spot that Matt uh, talked about, you know, Vince was like, I got to add some blood to this ring. Um, <laughs> he he gets a, takes a shot from Taker, right? And he falls to the floor and crumbles to the floor, like the ugliest looking bump imaginable. And they just the camera just shows Taker taking off his you know cut off T shirt, and Vince must have pulled off like the worst blade job ever, because he gets up, and he is he is gushing like instant crimson mask. I mean like buckets of, of blood just yeah pouring out of his face. Um, Taz, I wish I on commentary. Yeah. Goes, oh, yeah. uh, it's it's like a faucet on a sink. Like just yeah. and seriously, that's what it looked like. It was, it was just yeah. pouring out of his head. And Taker's like pounding on him and focusing in on the wound. And it, he probably didn't even need to like throw those in there. But it, I felt like that pounding that he took only exacerbated it and just got it even further where he is full crimson mask in no time. Yeah, <laughs> was supposed to blade right yes. away like that oh yeah this yes. is sort of what he was been doing i mean he had the match with steph at in at no mercy he also had the match with zach allen back in vengeance where he took a legit shot to the head zach allen as we know he's the one-legged wrestler right. hit a drop kick on a standing chair that hit right into the side of vince's temple cut him open the hard way he was he was bleeding worse than this to begin the match 
I think this is just sort of the crazy character they're creating as the heel McMahon. He is the biggest heel on the SmackDown brand, which talks a little bit about the product, and we can get deeper into that, which we don't have time for. But I think he is the main heel at this point who is they're trying to put against all these guys. He was getting the most heat on SmackDown, despite the fact that Survivor Series wasn't reacting to him the same way. Which is kind of crazy because, you know, this is what, like five years later after the whole like initial feud with Austin that he's still lingering around and like still trying to make himself a top heel. And to me, that's kind of that's a that's a problem, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, And this storyline kind of kind of lets you know that um and you know the the stuff with what he wants to do to take her's wife and, and burn down <laughs> he was very active and, in this year he wrestled yeah. hulk hogan at wrestlemania and he continued yeah. throughout that summer where he was a he wasn't just a special spot he was working you know yeah. like i mentioned no mercy vengeance these are not big name shows he's going out there and you know lacing up the boots and doing that strut which is it's weird to see because you just expect they bring out vince for like you know the summer slams the WrestleMania is the Rumble, maybe, but no, it's you know October two thousand three. Yeah, let's bring Vince out there to wrestle Stephanie yeah. on card. <laughs> like <Yeah>. what? <laughs> Undertaker, are you fully are you fully invested in two thousand three Ace? Like just to set the tone on your side? Oh yeah, I'm fifteen, sixteen years old. I'm watching Raw and SmackDown every single week, gathering with friends. I was at that point in my life where oh, yeah. I look back at two thousand three as. With rose-colored glasses, it's it's good to go back now because it's been so much time removed. And this Survivor Series, like I mentioned before we went on air, that that traditional Survivor Series match, I'll stand by that's one of the best traditional Survivor Series matches in the history of Survivor Series because of the drama and because of just how it unfolded. And Shawn Michaels, you got to remember, this was a year from his return. So he right. was just on he was on the cusp of going on a nice little run here until I think he retired. What was that, 2009-ish, 2010? Right. So... We had a lot more Shawn Michaels, and this was the beginning of it. But yeah, I was fully invested. This was like right in, right in the sweet spot where my fandom was. All I did was eat, sleep, and breathe wrestling. We were doing the backyard wrestling, too, at the time. So this nice. was everything I was doing. <laughs> nice. We, we went down that road a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to piggyback off of that, what, who would you say is like your guy growing up? Wow. I mean, Taker really is my guy. I met Taker okay. at the big event in New York right before COVID hit in 2020. So it was like the last thing I did. Oh, man. And I just, it was the one person that I've met in wrestling that I've had, I was starstruck and he's a guy I grew up with. He was my guy, I guess growing up, I love the, I love the rock. I love stone cold, but taker was always my guy. I was always rooting for him to be the champion. Despite him always, I guess being the bridesmaid, not the bride. He's been champion sometimes, but he's never really been the guy. But I think that's more Testament now as a knowledgeable fan. He never really needed to be. He was always like the, the one constant that you could rely on aside From a few little spurts where he got hurt, he was the guy who was the strongest yeah. bone in the card. Old reliable, man. And, and you hear those stories constantly when when they talk about him in interviews and on all these, you know, biographies that are going on right now on A&E. Um, it's constantly, you know, high praise for Taker always. Um, so just to get back to, to the action a little bit, you know, at this point, uh, he's taking Vince post to post uh you know crotch to the pose <laughs> it's it's ridiculous and then he brings him outside towards the table he's choking him out with the wire um that he's clearing visual, out the table with the monitors that visual of him with essentially he's got a cable from a camera and he's got his foot on the lower back of Vince and yanking back on the cable and now Vince is just bleeding 
out of his mind uh, and it's just pooling everywhere, no matter where he's at, whether it's leaning over the announce table or it's even just on the floor itself. There's blood everywhere. And I I was wondering if this was a rib on me who's uh, been really, you know, on <laughs> AEW for blood, blood, blood. And now Ace is sending yeah. me a bloody match. <laughs> yeah. This 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 was just I can't get over it. I have it on in the background now yeah, and I'm insane. just staring at it like, holy shit, what are we watching? <laughs> He's making John Moxley look like a little baby. Oh man, Seriously. don't say that too loud. <laughs> and just, and he might bleed if you say it too loud. But yeah. the thing is, yeah. the thing is with with this Vince stuff, it's it's funny because it's the beginning of the match, and we know it goes. I think it's eleven minutes and fifty nine seconds, just shy of twelve minutes. It ha- like he has to find his way to the dirt, where you know that open wound is going to get all mixed in with the oh, dirt. Yeah. Who's more of a gamer than Vince, man? He just goes out there and he'll 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 die on the sword for that product. And I know all the drama and stuff, but as an in-ring competitor, as a character, I don't. There's not that many heels you can go to bat for as being better than him. He's, no. he's epic. He's got an infection. <laughs> what's, and what's like the classic the classic quote that he always used to say, or you hear about him, is like, if he wouldn't do it himself, he wouldn't right. ask someone right. to do it, type of thing. And it's Whoa, like this, the, this the is a prime thing, example. Right? Right, the yeah. right, like the Gronk thing yeah. during COVID oh, WrestleMania. <laughs> I also remember the Vince spot where he had that segment, the now famous segment with Kevin Owens, where he asked Kevin to go hard at him, and he pretty much explained to him, like, you better go hard at me or I'm not selling it. And he had to actually legit headbutt him and cut him open and hit that frog splash on a 70-plus-year-old man. It's just, <laughs> it was insane. For the, Even at this time, the, the bumps yeah. he's taken as an older guy, it's it's beyond words. Oh, it's it's so crazy. It it's it's very like uncomfortable because like you said it's only like eleven twelve minutes but the the blood is like if I can't sell this enough to all of you I watched this first out of myself Mike and and Matt and I texted the two of them a picture from my television of Vince just like I was like oh man we are in for a treat <laughs> like let me tell you, you like texted- any. Vince bleeds immediately. Like (laughs) (laughs) anybody that has not watched this match or does not remember this match. This is like a, in my opinion, must go back and watch this because it's so goddamn entertaining. It, 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 it talk about captivating, man. Like you're just, uh, my eyes were glued to the screen wide eyed, like, holy hell, what are we watching? Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's wild. So finally, you know, he brings Vince back into the ring. Taker walks up to the the grave site, picks up this shovel, and it's to paint the picture. It's basically like the same shovel that is used at the end of Home Alone, right? <laughs> the old man as he he knocks out Mark. South Bend Shovel Slayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Vince wobbles to his feet, turns around, and takes holy shit turn the volume up for this because the pop that you hear from that shovel off the top of vince head is absolutely incredible so so was it off the top of his head it looked like he caught it in the face like oh my god like that was the one thing yeah. i wrote in my notes and like i struggled to take notes during this match because i was so focused on the screen and so captivated by it like i keep saying but it literally looked like he took it off the nose and not like the top of the head, like you would normally see a chair shot happen in, in this time of uh, WWE. Yeah, real ugly. And then after uh, Taker goes back, he continues to work on Vince's leg. He uh, takes the top of the stairs and smashes it on Vince's ankle. 
and then proceeds to to fireman carry Vince, you know, back up to the the ramp, back to the grave site, and avoid uh, the hole, Vince. <laughs> yeah, avoid the hole, <laughs> like Taz says. <laughs> <laughs> he, so then Vince is like, again, this, you know, I don't know if we should be like speaking so highly of Vince right now with yeah, everything right? that's going on. But Vince sells this so incredibly realistic, right? Like, I think that's no matter how big or jacked Vince is, he always feels like a, a, a human in these settings, right? It seems like if you were thrown in there in this type of match with Taker. He he tosses him on the dirt. Vince is completely lifeless. Um, Taker goes to climb up, grab another shovel. Vince grabs a, a, uh, a fistful of dirt, throws it in Taker's face, and low blow. <laughs> it, it's it's chaos. Uh, it, Taker, you know, taking that shovel shot again to the chest, not necessarily yes. the face. Uh, and then the visual of him standing in the grave was really pretty cool too. Cause he takes that shovel a shot, falls backwards into it and then rises up out of the grave, which, you know, only the undertaker, it, it looks so fitting with. I mean, the, the fact that Vince from his knees takes that shovel and, and swings it wallops taker on the chest. Wallop. Good word. <laughs> and, and t- taker, taker, cause it's, it's kind of soft, but the way he falls into that grave is, is incredible. Vince trying to adjust his little, uh, cut off sweatshirt at the time. And, uh, dead man pops up and he's selling it, man. He's selling like he's hurt. He, he hops out of the grave, goes up to, uh, w- w- I don't even know what that is. The payloader. Yeah. And, uh, yep. he goes to open up the door and pop. And uh, we get an explosion, and here comes good old Kane. Uh, good old Kane. <laughs> good old Uncle Kane. Fester Kane in this one yeah. too. He has the yeah. he has the double the hair that yeah. has the line across the back. So, like, this is you know, I say how much I couldn't stand this version of Taker at the time. This version of Kane made me sick to my stomach, especially to watch yeah. back. You know, like you said, <laughs> Uncle Fester, but like, what possessed the haircut like that? And just what an ugly human being. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they took the mask off him, I remember that that Raw very vividly yes. in the ring losing to Triple H. And they tried to sell it that he actually was burned. Then I yes. guess they figured we can't go week to week with putting black makeup on his face. So let's just say it was in his head. And then they yeah. just left the haircut with it as well. They had yep. him covering with the cloth over the top of his head. And this was the same year that this all went down. Right. right. I remember when they unmasked him, he had like a little bit more hair too, right? And like you said, the the black face paint like run off the face uh they had the festus haircut in the back like it was it was shaved and he was wearing the wig on the mask which i think we can figure now even when he came back in saudi arabia and did those like post matches he's wearing the wig uh, because i guess you can't have long hair brother in politics but (laughs) (laughs) the back was shaved so they want to make him look a little bit more freakish in that way but yeah i don't know it was just they didn't think it through when they took the mask off i feel i'm happy for him because of course he probably didn't like wrestling under the mask his whole career but yeah not my favorite iteration of kane no so then uh vince hops into the payloader as kane has you know tossed undertaker into the grave and vince dumps the pile of dirt on him as uh kane just stands out there like delirious and and we've got a winner and Undertaker so they, has been buried alive. As as Undertaker is in the grave now, and you have Kane reaching back in 
he grabbed something. I don't know what it was. It was and Taker's then, bandana and put it in his pocket. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then it looked like he was trying to play with the trap door at that point. Like, was it? Was it just like a, a the camera shouldn't have been in there and he was in there? It almost looked like Taker's head was missing out of where it was. Like he was all the way up at the front of the grave uh, where the headstone was. And it looked like he had no head and it was just shoulders down <laughs> that you were able to see. I don't know if I'm just overanalyzing it, trying to, you know, figure it out the magic trick. Weird. But it, it definitely, definitely looked, looked weird. weird. Well, yeah. funny enough that you said that I went back and listened to Grill and JR where he talked about this. He talked about how there's a little underground tunnel, as we all can assume, to go through when the dirt goes on top of him to ensure the safety of all those unfortunate enough to be buried alive. <laughs> uh, so underground tunnels and all that stuff. And Jared said, I never got in there to see as I thought someone would rib my ass and shut the doors or something like that. So I didn't investigate. I uh, thought of it. He didn't. He on record, as you can imagine, uh, Jr. is not a huge fan of the gimmicky type of match. It's hard to suspend your belief. But. Mick Foley talks about he was in the first Buried Alive, and believe it or not, there's only been five in history, which wow. seems like it's it's not a lot. I, I felt like there'd no. be more. And Taker was obviously involved in every single one of them, and rightfully so. It seems like it's his match, aside from the casket match. It's This is the other one you think of with Taker. It's usually used to give a storytelling mechanism to get Taker off TV. So we saw the five Buried Alive matches. Uh, one of them was a tag team title match, which didn't write him off TV. And this was, there's a, a lot of drama to that match as well. Because Taker wanted nothing to do with this, and Bruce Pritchard had to beg him to do it uh, on TV. They they wanted it originally on Raw, but they moved it to an In Your House because Taker just didn't want <laughs> to do it. Uh, but we saw the transition of characters all throughout his career after these Buried Alive matches to give him some time off. And how can you be you know ridden off a little bit better yeah. as a dead man yeah. if you're buried alive? <laughs> buried alive. I see yeah, lost burn him. single one. Is he 0 for 5 in the, these matches? He's actually 2 for 3. He beat Taker. I mean, he beat Mankind in the opening match. That was October 20th, 1996. The match went 20 minutes. Stone Cold defeated Undertaker December 13th, 1998. That was 21 minutes. There was a tag title match. Undertaker and Big Show, when they had their run as champs, defeated the Rock and Sock Connection, which is a must-see match. That's back from September 1999. Then, of course, we had Vince versus Taker. That we just talked about. And the last time we had this was 12 years ago. So it took 7 years to... Wow. to pay off that feud between Kane and Taker. Kane defeated Taker in a Buried Alive match for the world title. So wow. October 24th, 2010. Wow. How long until Tony Khan brings it back? <laughs> what is he going to call it? What's, the, what's his iteration of it? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Dirt and stuff. Yeah, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. You have to throw your opponent off of the blood and guts cage into the dirt and stuff yeah and then, uh, that's how you win darby <laughs> allen versus uh, uh this, brody maybe this is something else we shouldn't be talking about just yeah. in case anybody's listening so so i did have a question for you guys before we move too far away from this concept of match the only other type of match we can talk about obviously casket matches and we can talk about the hit the historic ones my favorite is yokozuna versus taker but did you guys remember back in 04 where they did the concrete crypt match with undertaker Versus the Dudley Boys in a handicap match with Paul Bearer's life on the line, a great American match. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> I oh, vaguely man. remember hearing about it, uh, and I vaguely remember like looking back at it, but I don't remember much of the outcome. It was an awful match in this main event of the show. So this was when they were doing SmackDown and Raw single pay-per-view, so they had really split rosters, and they were leaning very heavily on, this is the roster, we're going to give you that. a pay-per-view. I hated it as well. But this match... It didn't make any sense, obviously. You start from there. You put Paul Bearer in a 
a concrete yeah. crypt. Taker winds up winning the match, but kills Paul Bearer anyway after it's all said and done. <laughs> so, like, and this is the last time we saw Paul Bearer on TV, I believe. I think this was it. Unless he came back for that Kane run as champ in 2010, I might be mistaken. I don't even remember. We were, I, like, we were definitely out of wrestling from, like, totally for me. 2004 till about 2010, 2011, I would say. Like, it was like a you know background noise or like we would i would bust mike's chops for watching smackdown here and there and like i'd be like you still watch still you're still watching aren't you (laughs) and uh that was about like as far as we went during that point um so wait uh while we're on that subject have you ever had like a lull in your fandom of watching wrestling it was for two years and i was doing my student teaching uh all through school and i was super busy working and you guys know how it is as you know Nick, as your right. teacher as well, just the fact that it was so many hours in the day, I couldn't prioritize wrestling. It was 2010 with the Nexus stuff. I was like reading results on Lords of Pain, or now known as wrestling headlines. But yeah, I wasn't watching full time. And I remember hearing people really upset that John Cena buried Nexus at SummerSlam. And yeah. it just was in the background. I knew it was yeah. going on, but I never fully fell out. I didn't right. like ever turn it on and be like, who are these guys? I've right. never had that experience. Yeah, there was mine was pretty much 10 years on the button. It was like the end of 2002, 2003. I may have been slightly paying attention uh, in the beginning of the year. And then 2012 really kicked back in when, um, you know, I, I think I've told it before, uh, but I had a buddy at, or I had somebody at work that was working for me that came in to work with a different wrestling shirt on every day or every, you know, manager meeting weekly. And, um, he was like, you know, you should really turn it back on. And then I started talking to these knuckleheads and I was like, you know, I turned on Raw the other night. And Nick was like, me too. <laughs> and then all four of us are at, uh, at at softball games at that point being like, all right, we're all back in, right? <laughs> yeah. So before we give this cans in the cooler, uh, Ace, would you have, is there like a favorite live event that you've attended? Well, it's tough to say. I, off the top of my head, because the anniversary just passed, it was 20 years to the day, August 25th. It's SummerSlam 2002, where Rock versus Brock. Uh, HBK makes his return in the ring. Ray yeah. versus uh, Kurt Angle. One of the most stacked cards in the history of wrestling. And then I still remember to this day, and I have a picture I probably posted on Instagram. My dad was just talking about this when I saw him over the weekend. HBK was coming back, but for some reason in 2002, one of my favorite wrestlers, wrestlers were Rob Van Dam. And we painted our chest with not acrylic paint. It was like hardcore paint that wasn't coming off with RVD. <laughs> HBK was right there. So we have a picture of us wearing RVD uh, uh, shirtless at Nassau Coliseum. So I have to find the picture and send it to you that, guys. It's yeah, really awesome. My dad please. brings it up all the time. That's so cool. Um, what What would you say is like your earliest wrestling memory? It, it It's funny because I wasn't watching full time, obviously, in 1990. I was only one years old. But I still remember... One of my earliest memories is the Coliseum video I would rent from Mr. Video. It was WrestleMania six and Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. And it just resonated with me for some reason, that whole card. So it's a huge piece of my nostalgia. As far as watching live on a weekly basis, 1997, Brett and Austin, that whole run through that. That was like the first time I was watching Raw. And it was a no-no to stay up late because at the time I was like eight years old getting ready right. for elementary school. But yeah, I was watching. I was locked in from then on. That's yeah. awesome, man. It's, it's crazy to hear how many people is Hogan Warrior. It's wild. Yeah. I love it. Love it. And even no matter the age and no matter the, you know, the era right. that you grew up in, like that's that's 
two big dudes and two big names going at it, and it's a very uh, important match in in wrestling history. There was a spot in Oakdale, New York. It's closed now, obviously, because video stores are a dying breed. But they had all the old school Coliseum videos, and I would just rent a whole bunch of them on VHS. And there's something about the cover of that, aside from the fact that they're both wearing the titles, the IC title for Warrior and the world title for Hogan. But just like the mountains in the background, the way they made that cover, it really, for whatever reason, as a child, it just, my eyes were drawn to it. And I wore that tape out. I eventually bought it. And it's my favorite, one of my favorite WrestleManias ever. And it doesn't, it doesn't have a five-star match on it. It's not one of those work rate type of cards. But it, as far as environment goes, you know, in Toronto, it's just such an electric feeling that you oh, can't without top. A doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, that that's WrestleMania 7 for me. And that's the first one that I watched, like, in the moment. And, you know, no five-star matches, but it hits. Um, I before have we to give say, Kane's- though, I have to say, the WrestleMania 15 is that for me. Watching that live in 99, yes. again, not the best quality, but I was so no. invested in the Attitude Era where everything, I was living and dying with the corporation stuff and Austin's trying to get the title back that's man that's great wrestlemania 15 is something i want to go back and watch and talk about it on something like this it'd be awesome yeah um smell i smell a return here yeah i like it (laughs) i i am totally into it um so just one more question i know i'm going all over the place uh how and like why did you start ace field retro what got you there it's funny. I was sitting on the couch during, I think it was 2021, talking about wrestling with my girlfriend. And she's like, she she would listen to me. She would, I guess, <laughs> she would endure it. But she's like, why don't you do this with a microphone? I'm like, no one wants to listen to me do this. So I just decided with myself and Nick the Comic Nerd, who's an, a comic book channel. He is a Laps fan. Not even a Laps fan. He has no idea what a lot of, admittedly, doesn't know what happened in wrestling before like CM Punk so he we would watch matches and I would explain to him the significance of what was going on so that retro type of watch along was more for the fan that really you take a lot for granted as long-term fans we we go back and watch some events and we just know why it makes sense why he he admittedly doesn't know who Stone Cold was right why why it was important to wrestling so that's what got me into it and then you know as the Turnbuckle Taverns thing thing has grown those guys are just been they've been so welcoming and and it's been a lot of fun on that journey. So just to have a platform to talk wrestling with you guys, the Pod Foundation, Chick Foley, you know, Turnbuckle Tavern, it's been amazing, man. This is a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Well, we're really glad to have you on here and have you be a little little part of this. And uh, and thank you for bringing this match to us. So we do have to, before we move any forward, we have to give this cans in the cooler. And I, I like to do this every once in a while and jump right in. I'm giving it five cans in the cooler Ooh. because I was so goddamn entertained. I watched this match twice. I, I talk about it constantly. I go, I watch it once, and then I watch it a second time and take my notes. I was so incredibly entertained during this match. Um, you know, like I said, end of the week, back to school, it was it was a quicker quicker match which was perfect you know the 20 minute time frame was was excellent i give it five out of five cans in the cooler must watch material everybody that does not remember this match go back and watch survivor series 2003 and the rest of the card too like you said the match right before it was incredible while i uh i agree with a lot of things you said there but i'm gonna go with Three and a half cans myself. Oh, um, the crowd not making that work rate strikes hurt, again. Hurt a little bit, you know. Uh, the crowd just not being into it that much kind of hurt for me. 
uh, yes, it's it's an enjoyable match. It's and you should go back and watch it for sure. But no, I can I, see where you're coming from. Uh, this I was never that huge of a Taker fan. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very entertaining. You should definitely watch it. But yeah, I I, I wasn't ready to do this. I completely wasn't ready to do this. I'm going with Nick, and I'm hitting you with yes. a five because this <laughs> yes. is just so good. <laughs> it was it was a spectacle. It was something that you sat there and watched with your eyes wide open and your mouth wide open, and you put your phone down. How often are you watching wrestling and you put your phone down? Like yeah. this was this was a treat. So Mace, you think the you blood so. is a lot, and then you hear that pop of the shovel over Vince's head and I was like oh my god this is amazing you know it was a shoot shovel too it had to be Vince would have nothing less that's the snow shovel that you're scraping on the driveway in those those long winter mornings I went back and and looked at the shovel that thing did not bend when it hit his head like you know how sometimes when it's like aluminum and they like yeah the Angela sword by Drew McIntyre how it just bends over yeah Yeah. it's like Jiffy Pop sounding things Ace, what do you got here? What's your rating? I'm gonna say four and a half. And again, I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with you, Mikey. I think it's it's not gonna be your high quality technical match, but they lean into the sports entertainment. And if you're watching for sure. for this type of match, they achieved the goal. It not only was a good story mechanism to advance the story of getting Taker back as the dead man, but it entertained me along the way. And this was sort of the tail end of this Vince heel run where. It's underrated because we all think about Mr. McMahon, the emergence from 97 to 99. This is underrated as well. This little sort of regime he had going on on SmackDown where he was wreaking havoc all over the roster where he's beating up his own daughter, beating up a one-legged Zach Gowen, <laughs> haunting Mr. America and Hulk Hogan, and then finalized. Taker tries to put him in his place and Vince somehow escapes. The idea watching this, at the time, I knew Taker was losing. And it's hard to say when you watch wrestling and it feels like it's when you watch wrestling, it's hard to be surprised with how things shake out. But I remember knowing they were going to write Taker off of TV. So I was like, how are they going to have Vince win this match? That was the journey I wanted to go on. And the way they did it was perfect. They set the stage, you know, at WrestleMania 24 Taker's return at Madison Square Garden. Who better than his brother Kane to wrestle? It was the perfect way to get there. And this is when you're building storyline. Months in advance, Survivor Series was that platform to get WrestleMania started, and then Royal Rumble was to launch it even further. We got hints at all these Survivor Series, mid-2000s, 90s. You knew what the WrestleMania card yeah. was in November. That was, play, was really right. cool. Didn't they play his music in the Rumble? Like Spike yep. Dudley came out instead, right? Yep. And and he returns as the dead man, too, right? At 20? Yeah. He does, and Paul Bearer is there. It's the first time we've seen Paul Bearer in a long time, and he... There's all those stories as well about how he had to drop like 25 pounds in six months because of the wow. fact they, they didn't think he could get in the ring and they were really worried about Percy getting into the ring. My only complaint nitpick wise is that his hair wasn't long enough at WrestleMania yeah. 20. He had like a bob <laughs> cut. He should have just yeah. went shave it with the mohawk shave. because I like that yep. look even better. He just Agreed. tried to do the long hair and it was just like he had yeah. this like little Debbie haircut. It's like, come on, yep. dude, really? Yeah, it's like like Sean with the, the, the Dutch boy haircut. Exactly at Survivor Series 02. Yep. 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 All right. So, uh, well, thank you for bringing this match to our attention. And uh, again, if we didn't sell it enough, go back and watch Survivor Series 2003. Um, 
I highly recommend the whole card. Um, that being said, I'm going to let Matt take it away with our uh, extra credit for the week. Let's do it. The Extra Cooler Show is a proud member of the Pod Foundation. The Pod Foundation is a partnership between ourselves, the Chick Foley Show, Turnbuckle Tavern, and Coming Down the Aisle. We are committed to bringing wrestling fans everywhere the best content possible and sharing our love for all things professional wrestling. Be sure to follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram and Twitter to interact with us and stay up to date on all of our shows. We are back with some extra credit with our Extra Cooler Top 3. The Extra Cooler Top 3 spotlights our top stories from the week that was in pro wrestling, brought to you by Chalkline. Chalkline brings you our favorite officially licensed WWE apparel on jackets, shorts, and more over at chalk-line.com. And the Pod Foundation will save you 10% when you enter PF10 at checkout. First things first, a big thank you to Mike, Nick, and Jim. Uh, but Mikey Workrate holding it down last week while I was uh, away on work. So, Mike, thank you very much, sir. I enjoyed your Mikey Workrate top three from last week. Uh, so why don't you hit justice. me... Why don't you hit me with your Mikey Workrate match of the week from this past week? Uh, I narrowed it down to two, but the one I'm going to choose has got to be the trios match from yeah, last man. week's Dynamite, Will Ospreay and those Aussie guys uh, versus Aussie. the Death those Triangle. Aussie guys. <laughs> yeah. I love versus it. Versus the Death Triangle. It. The Osprey and uh, Penta, man. They They're were doing really so some, good. Can do so, no wrong. So they much crazy really stuff. Can. The feud we didn't know we needed. Kevin Nash Shit, and Will seriously. Ospreay on Twitter, by the way. Did you guys see all the stuff going on with <laughs> Kevin Nash and Will Ospreay? Oh, Who knew? I want... To think about Diesel back in the day versus Will Ospreay, I kind of need him bumping with the jackknife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tear your quad writing this tweet. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. So Low-hanging fruit, but I appreciate it. Yeah, amen, amen. All right, so we have one of the biggest weekends of wrestling in as long as I can remember. I feel like we say this a lot, but... Man, this one feels next level. I know, Ace, you're headed out to Chicago for, for All Out with the boys over at the Turnbuckle Tavern. But instead of a top three this week, let's just spend some time on WWE. We'll talk about what happened this past week. We'll talk about what's going on this weekend and uh, kind of talk through uh, Clash at the Castle, which will be on Saturday at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Like, I uh, would man, love it. We'll, we'll, We'll dive into that, and then uh, we'll we'll go Extra through cool some AEW, and we'll uh, we'll talk through a uh, all out that is happening this upcoming Sunday evening. But um, man, Nick, I'm just gonna dive right in. You're saying you love the one o'clock start? Hell yeah, hell yeah! You're I'm gonna, that guy. You're I'm that guy that I'm, I'm no, but I'm not gonna be watching <laughs> at seven o'clock on Saturday either. Like it, it makes no difference. I'm actually. I, I don't know. It, it's it's a fun time to have it on at one o'clock. Um, we said this during one of the recent ones. Um, it's Labor Day weekend, man. It's hard to pull off a pay per view on that if you're home. I think um, you know everybody's barbecuing, hanging out with friends or family. Um, but I'm looking forward to it, man. You're coming over to my house. I'm gonna have it on before you guys get here, say. and you know. 
don't even know. Miss, what? It, it, it's a quick hitter, like six matches on the card, too. Like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Am I going to watch all of it live? Probably not. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> we, can, we can certainly get my son. If it's on, he's going to be watching when he walks in the door. So right. I'll just warn you Warn you now. We may just want to throw it on the iPad out on, yes. the, on the deck or something and yes. just watch out there. Although our wives could be making fun of us, but I'll take it. I'll take yeah. that. But uh, man, I... Man, I one of the questions I had was like, how how likely are you to watch? And there's like a zero percent chance that one o'clock I'm sitting there and turning on the TV. Probably but I also because I'm going to be in the car on the way to you. <laughs> I also think nothing major is going to go down um, mm. and maybe jump in the gun. But I think there's going to be good matches. I think it'll be worth watching, whether it's live or whether you go back and watch it. Um, I don't know. I don't see any massive surprises going down as Damn. as much as you you could make that happen. Okay. I would like say the Drew McIntyre stuff has been people have been teasing back and forth, and with the build, it's hard to say if they're actually going to pull the trigger on pulling the tie, the two year reign off of Roman Reigns. I'd have Agreed. to see it to believe it at this point. He is the guy, and if he wants time off, go for it. But I don't know if Drew is the guy to get the rub from Roman. Maybe it should be someone else. As far as surprises go. All that stuff about Wyndham or Bray Wyatt or The Fiend potentially right. being in Wales wouldn't shock me with the way Triple H has been running, you know, making these debuts, getting the guys he wants back in there. I think it's going to be a fun show, and the biggest star of the show will be the attendance. It's going to be a shoot 70 something yeah. thousand people. Yeah, that's they always massive. advertise these WrestleMania cards being huge in the crowd. This is going to be the biggest crowd they've had in a very long time. So the environment itself, the the atmosphere is going to be awesome. First time they're returning on pay-per-view in the UK in a very, very right. long time. Without a doubt. Those fans I, are I, insanely fun, too, with all the chants and songs. And, like, I'm just looking forward to that. The atmosphere is going to be so uh, just incredible. I, it's going to be blow the roof off the place, even the though there probably is no is roof. The crowd always legit. Uh, and actually, the the one match I really want to see is the Intercontinental title match. Oh, man. So yeah. we've got Gunther going up against Sheamus, which is guaranteed to have that pearly white ivory skin of Sheamus beat red, uh, probably bloodied <laughs> by the time we leave Better this match. And, face, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, it's it's going to be a hell of a match. I completely agree with you, Mike. Um, and, and appropriate that Mikey Workrate wants to watch this brutal, brutal match that's going to go down. But I'm going <laughs> to rewind here. there, too. Uh, the, yep. So rewind here real quick. Ace dropped something that, you know, Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt, whatever you want to call him, his his name has been in the dirt sheets. I saw one today that Bray Wyatt or actually Wyndham Rotunda's name was on the internal passenger list of going from the U.S. off to the U.K. And I'm I, that was where I was going to end this little WWE clip on was like, do we actually see Wyndham here and is this something that could actually come to fruition here you guys talked about the infinity stones last week right is this yes. the is this the last one in the middle of the glove I, I think it would be appropriate if it is I just don't know if I, I don't know maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way and I'm looking at it through my lens of like I already have plans on Saturday and if I'm <laughs> Triple H and I'm booking it I, I want more eyes on it but maybe they think they're going to have the eyes on a one one o'clock Saturday show. Think about the eruption of that crowd. 
Oh, we well, the only way about how listen, insane the UK crowd is. I don't know if I said this a few weeks ago here or if I said it to you, Matt, but the only way you you have him come back is got to be in the the in like a main event picture, you know? I mean, in my perfect world, what would be awesome is you throw some sort of faction together of him and uh and carrying cross and um dexter loomis like those would be three weird dudes with scarlet to put together out of nowhere and i don't know man i I love my attitude era and i know i'm throwing this out there but maybe we'll get a buried alive match first time in 12 years we get that (laughs) we get that crew together Except uh, the explosion out of the the front loader is going to be the Undertaker showing up instead. <laughs> oh man! I, I I for one cannot see a faction of those guys together. No, I can't and, either. I I I think it would work though. I think you can make it work. You're gonna have to sell me on that one because I see I see two and a half top stars right there with Loomis being the half right now. And I'm fully engaged in the storytelling that they're doing with Miz, but that's not a top talent, top tier main event picture guy right now for me. Exactly. Course, why, exactly. Exactly why it would need, work. In it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't need all top stars, but I'm looking at Karrion Cross and Wyatt to be two top dogs that can go in and they're teasing the Seth Rollins who's talking about um, moving on to the undisputed universal title picture and like all of these things and the fact that Triple H has now gotten us to a point where we don't know what's going to happen is really just a fresh the fresh air here and so good but did you texted me earlier Nick you think that this was the first misstep this past uh, Monday on Raw, where they put the women's titles on Raquel and Aaliyah. I I think it could be considered the first misstep, and the reason why uh, is because obviously no one wanted to see the two of them win. Um, right. But as I said to you, the only way that it could work is if they need two baby faces to set up a return of two heels. Also, I don't think Dakota and EO really need the titles. No. Uh, whereas, like, Raquel and Aaliyah, like, all right, this is something for them to do. Yeah, but that but that doesn't mean they should have them on them, right. in my opinion. Right. I mean, that's true, too, but... They're gonna spot if they're gonna spotlight the tag division, I'm all for it. If they're gonna make them into a legitimate team, I'm, yes. I'm all for it. I agree. I wasn't thrilled with the finish on Raw, I do like the spot on the card, and I want to see emphasis on it. If you're going to have the titles, you might as well put some something behind it. So at least there's that. But I'm going to wait and see. I wasn't huge on what happened, though, well, last I didn't night, like being how, honest. I didn't like how they pinned Dakota, and she wasn't the legal person. <laughs> I didn't catch That's that. That's true. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> yeah. catch that, honestly. Yeah, it was... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to f- battle Nick for a second here that it does not make sense to me because I view Naomi and Sasha a return there is an instant crowd pop and it's an instant babyface return for them in standing up to the company and doing all those things that the super nerds like us are going to, you know, applaud them and be happy that they've returned back. And I know that they tried to build them as as heels on the way out the door. They tried to call them selfish on a, on the uh, announcers on SmackDown, but like a returning those two big names returning doesn't feel like they 
would come back as heels. So now you're putting up against two baby faces and Raquel has been nothing but, and I said it from her first time coming down the aisle with her big old smile on her face and nothing but that. And the Aaliyah is essentially doing the same exact thing. It's nothing but sunshine and rainbows when these guys, when these girls come out, but I just I can't see them positioning Naomi and Sasha as these heels upon maybe, their return. Maybe you still have your uh, Vince McMahon booking glasses on, and that's why. Uh, because I, I think Triple H is smart enough to realize that, like, the, the you, Sasha Banks of all people can easily come out there to a pop and turn a crowd. I think. Sure. Sure. I think she's the and- perfect person to do that. And I don't know. I'm just trying to think of any reason why you would put those titles on Raquel and be like, we left yeah. because uh, the fans, like, you guys suck. Yeah, there's so many ways that they could they could twist it. You the know, only questionable I thing really... I have in this is you have the heel faction with Bailey and EO and Dakota. Right. And then you're going to bring back two main heels. It seems too top-heavy. Right. It's almost like when New World Order was running Agreed. rampant. And then mm-hmm. the Giant joined. It's like you need someone mm-hmm. to oppose them. Agreed. So, I think you need two two uh, factions yeah, on Ripley both sides too. of the fence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I I completely agree. I'm just trying to think of ways in which and uh, to figure out why they put the title on Raquel and Aaliyah. Um, you know, and I was fully expecting a way of you know putting the titles on Kai and Sky, and then fast forwarding down the line, and you're getting. Bailey and Sasha reuniting in some capacity to take the titles that mean air quote means so much to them, um, take the titles off of Kai and Sky, and then you've got that battle going on. I know that pushes Naomi to the back again, and she's certainly should get better than that. But uh, I could have saw that storyline coming to fruition. But uh, man, let's. I'm looking forward to Naomi and Sasha being separate. I don't want them to be tied together as long because Naomi was doing her own thing on SmackDown. I don't want them to be a package deal because I think that hurts Naomi. She needs to be in her own, you know, let her get pushed in the main event. They need top tier women stars and there's no reason she can't be at the top of the card. Let Sasha do the stuff with Bailey and be in there. She doesn't need the title. I think Naomi could really help the top of the card as far as the women's division goes. Yeah, you're right. Especially on the SmackDown side. I know they've got this, this, uh, ronda rousey's suspension thing and all that other bs but it just it feels like a heel to go after Liv morgan uh if she makes it past shana this this upcoming weekend is something that you could certainly use and need um but for me that last night on monday night raw they turned a feud up to a whole nother level and i'm gonna play a little clip for you guys because it was so insane and clear we good? Yeah. Yeah, good. Go Riddle, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Let me talk about my family, man. Let's talk about your family. Oh, wait, you ain't got one because your wife divorced you and took your kids and they don't want to see your bitch ass anymore, huh? What did you just say? Yeah, you heard me. Where you are you? You bitch. Where are you? I'm here. Come find Where? me. Dude, you don't get I'm not going to beat you up. I'm oh, going to oh, f*** you up, bro. Oh, Where the oh. f*** where are you? Right, Where are on. you? Come find Where me, is bitch. he? Come Where on. are you? Dude, you don't get him. I'm going to smash your face oh, in. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Keep playing games, bro. Keep playing games. I'm going to f*** you up. Oh, man. Seth Rollins and, if you've noticed, Matt Riddle was on the screen. It didn't say just Riddle, so he got his first name back on Monday. They just turned this feud up to a whole nother level, and now for me, this is this is the match that I want to see. Listen, 
I, I, every time I listened to it yesterday, I listened to it today and just hearing it again now, I have a friend that went to college with Matt Riddle and told me a story about how Matt Riddle once, like, he watched Matt Riddle at a party beat the living daylights out of the whole football team, right? Like, <laughs> and watched him out of, like, the middle of a circle with blood pouring all over his face. And this isn't someone who watches wrestling. He was like, oh, I saw Matt Riddle's in WWE now. That was when he was in NXT and he told me this story. And I don't know, man. These two guys are top-tier main eventers and they're going to do exactly that let's give some credit where it's due though we people were giving WWE a lot of hate for taking this card off SummerSlam yes and people were upset about the booking and they're like they're they're moving too slow with it the fact that the slow burn these guys haven't touched in the ring since how long ago at this point they've been battling backstage and that's something I want to touch on as well WWE has opened up their universe and their world to be very Mm -hmm multi-dimensional you have people coming in and out of shots it feels very wide open like a an absolute it's an immersive situation where wwe backstage feels like it's ever flown where you can have criticism of wwe the past even AEW now where each of the segments are just placed in the show it's almost like cut and paste wwe feels like it's running through seamlessly and riddle and 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 rollins are the perfect example of that where you have both of them in the parking lot in the ring Backstage, they're all over the place uh, on a satellite. They're building this feud perfectly, and it's a lot of fun. They were yeah. even able to get them on the SummerSlam uh, without having exactly. a match, so that was exactly. really good too. You know, did anybody else get "I am the effing game" Jr. from this at all? Like, this felt like Matt Riddle's "I am the effing game" kind of moment. I know it's not an exact promo, but when Triple H is in that office with jr and having that face-to-face back in the day like i felt that same vibe here i felt that same like switch click for matt riddle that we haven't seen before so man i'm fully invested if you couldn't tell and uh i'm totally here for it this weekend and think about riddle as a character has withstood the fact that he was on tv because vince found his stoned nature funny and he would make jokes and he would forget people's names he withstood the storm. He could have just pouted and said, I don't want to do the things you're asking me to do. And now he's reaping the benefit of Triple H mm-hmm. sees that killer in him. You, you, Nick, you mentioned real life as a shoot. The guy's an absolute killer. You watch him in the UFC. If he couldn't, the fact he just couldn't pass a drug test and has heat with Dana White, that's the reason why he's not actually beating guys up in the octagon. But he's a legitimate MMA guy that could go out there and make his offense look legitimate. Same thing, like very akin to Brock Lesnar. Where the mm-hmm. the offense sure. totally agree. What's it blurs the line where this guy he's he can make you laugh and he he smokes a lot of pot and he's RVD adjacent, but he still goes out there and he'll throw an elbow to your head and make you bleed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like we haven't really gotten that full full killer in the ring yet, and I think we're close, and it's going to be fun. All right. That's enough of WWE, even though we could go into uh, if Roman will leave uh, with the title. But we'll we'll get back to that next week, I'm sure. Um, Let's move over to AEW as we come home after a really bizarre squash match that I think we need to just talk about Dynamite last week. We we were recording before this happened and we get CM Punk in a three minute match against Moxley where we have uh, potentially a re-injured foot is where we're headed. We have nine matches for all out coming up this weekend and John Moxley and the 
AEW title is technically right now not on the card. Is that going to stick or do we see a Moxley match? According to all reports, we're getting the match, the rematch in Chicago, Meltzer, Sap, everyone's saying it. I, For it to make sense, I don't know how it happens, but allegedly it's happening. Uh, it just, <laughs> it's so bizarre to come out of a squash, injury-riddled CM Punk match. Maybe it's just because now there's the women's interim title. You can't have both interim titles. I, it just feels very... I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a Chad term here from Turnbuckle Tavern, and it feels very rookie booking that he's mm-hmm. coming into adversity and he's not. And Tony, he uh, pronouns pal, uh, <laughs> Tony is not being able to come up with effective ways to figure things out because this just felt so bizarre. And I was away, like as as we know, uh, as we talked about. And Nick texts me and he's like, I can't wait for you to watch this Moxley Punk match. And sure enough, I was rushing back to the hotel and trying to find it and watch it however I could. But it just feels so strange for me. I I just can't. There there was so much that like at this point, I know we're like a a week out from it, but there was so much that was so poorly done. You you go in the match. It's like nine oh five. The two of them are in the middle of the ring, and uh, and Tony Schiavone's comparing it to a game seven in the NBA or game seven in in Major League Baseball, and it's nowhere close. First of all, in my opinion, <laughs> like I I, I don't want to. I, I don't know. Um, but but the 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 issue I had is they were like you had Justin Roberts on the mic saying how we have an hour time limit. So in my mind compared to all the other previous AEW main events that we've seen run an hour long, I expected this is going to go an hour long. These two are going to beat the crap out of each other. Then I literally, I looked down or I started talking to my wife about something. And next thing you know, the match is over. It, it, it I don't know it. And then the biggest problem I had was they had all this other stuff planned for after it. Right? So if you're going to give this quote unquote main event an hour, you still have all this other stuff planned to come after it? I don't know. That sloppy to me. Very sloppy. Disjointed is the word. I think yes. Tony's he's he feels like he's a little, he's struggling right now. And I'm a big AEW fan, as you guys know. I'm in the tavern doing the wrap up show. I've been very critical of the product as of late, and I think it's rightfully so. And it's not just on the screen; it's off the screen. I know people want to talk work, shoot, what's real, what's not. There's got to be some truth to. All these guys in the back, you sign these guys to big contracts, whether it be Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Keith Lee, Malachi Black, Miro, the list goes on and on. They're not getting steady TV time. No. And it has it's frustrating for the fans. How I don't yeah. I can't imagine how it feels for the guys that you, it's, it's start, stop, start, stop. You can use Wardlow as an example. You can use Ricky Starks as an example. Anytime anyone gets hot, they put them on the back burner. So I think there's some truth to everyone you get it, everybody getting upset and them them having that backstage meeting. But this punk stuff rings, it's eerily similar to the MJF stuff. And why would you do it so close together unless they're connected? I know Bellcaster on the wrap-up show has a prediction that they're going to do their own version of the New World Order or something like that. I can't see how that makes sense throughout all this. After everything that Punk and MJF have been through, does it make sense for them to come in together and take over AEW? I don't think so. That that sounds like a uh, take that's influenced by Shot of Nostalgia every week. (laughs) I think he's been watching too much 1996, which I told him live on air. That sounds like something the Hop God would uh, suggest. Yeah, right? My my take here, and I 
I was not expecting to go this deep into punk here. But my theory of all of this is they have booked CM Punk as a face since he's returned. It's been the happy-go-lucky, I'm just happy to be here, I'm back victory lap that he's doing. How can you get the most hardcore of hardcore AEW fans and more importantly CM Punk fans to turn against him and to turn him heel? Is this all, maybe I'm giving Tony too much credit, but is this all working the fans to eventually have Punk come out and throw up the middle finger and to just say, screw you to everyone that's backed me for the last year that I've been here? Because we just eclipsed the, the one year mark of him being back and him being in AEW. And now how can you turn him into a true, absolutely hated heel to the likes of where MJF was and potentially is if he was to come back too. So my my take is this is just the background of us getting to a CM Punk heel turn and us believing it as the hardcore of the hardcores. It's a meta heel turn. It's the way you turn heel in 2022. Right. My concern, though, is a company that's in its infancy at this point, three years old, Turning them heel and making them look like they're poorly run. There's some people in the you know the TV stations and people that are investing in your product, advertisers. It looks like you're on shaky ground, and whether mm-hmm. you're blurring the lines so much that what's truth and what's not. The MJF stuff with the flight, a lot of it is going to be a work shoot at this point. Like you work yourself mm-hmm. into a point where it, some of it is a shoot, some of it's not. But man, I can't get behind doing this so often next to each other, and one of them can't right. be true. We know Punk has a cantankerous history. I think that's putting it lightly. He has a history of being unhappy in the back. But what does he have to be unhappy about? Really, is it the Cole Cabana situation? Is it the fact that he's still on the roster? Is it the hangman comment? None of that really makes sense. And if Punk is truly upset about this, my hands are up, dude. Like, we've supported (laughs) you throughout all of this. You can't get a better situation. You can't. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm fully with you. It uh, it certainly raises more questions than answers but at the end of the day uh it's a really good point with all the people on the backside and all of the rumors with time warner and all of those those things it's uh it's certainly impactful for uh you know it makes it fun to watch for sure but there's they're in negotiations for a new tv deal so why would you make it look like tony khan and the and the people that are behind the scenes don't know what they're doing because that's what people think and we're sitting here on a podcast we talk about wrestling every week we don't know what's going on. So how do you think the casual fan right. executives feel about this? Right. Yeah. Amen, man. All right, let's dive into the card. So we've got nine matches. Ace, hit me with your one that you're most excited to be in the house for and excited to take in as a fan. Wow. I mean, it's it's tough to say as far as matches go, like what my favorite is. I think the trios title is going to probably steal the show. My Agreed. biggest concern about... The trios thing is you have other trios matches on the card with the titles on the line. I guess it can go both ways. You have two guys or two division, a division you want to establish off the ground. Like they exist. Of course, you wouldn't just have one tag match on the card. If if there's a tag title match and a blood feud for the tag titles, I guess you can make the case. But for me, the emphasis on the trios title, you don't want any shine to be taken away. You don't want spots to be revealed. I'm just worried that the other trios match on the pre-show or not. You don't want things being done. You want people to look at the trios division for the first time with eyes toward the championship. So, but that being said, I'm looking forward to that match mostly. I I, I agree with you. That that's that's the the show stealer here. But it's funny because even on like I I snapped the 
the uh, the card off of Wikipedia, and the first match that's listed is the trios championship match and then the second match that's listed is this six-man tag and it just screams and maybe (laughs) putting it together makes you see it even further but it screams that rookie booking again out of uh out of tony khan here and you know taking some attention away from these trios matches and why would you do that if these guys weren't even in the trios tournament to begin with like right. it would have made sense if there was some feud that came out of that and you've got these six men and i i know the jay lethal and wardlow thing is really at the heart of this but uh and the pinnacle tie-in is nice and cute for ftr but it, it feels like they're just forcing them onto the card where he doesn't have to defend the tnt title which is uh is strange in and of itself but uh i'm fully with, i'm fully there with you on that that trios match nick or mike you, you guys have a different one no, I I agree uh, with Ace and, and think that trios title match is what I'm looking forward to much. And you said it best, man. And look at that. FTR is scorching hot. And then I feel like that's like a very um, – I said this probably months ago, like back in the, the Vince booking days. If, if Vince booked a match like that, people would be dumping all over it. Like what are you putting this scorching hot tag team in a match like yeah, this? Yeah, true. I don't know. It, there's there's so many other feuds that they could be in, and not to mention Wardlow too. He was yeah, on Wardlow the path well. to being Batista yes. in 2005, yeah. and now he's just TNT champion, but hasn't defended yeah. the title. Like, what is yeah. going on? The t- TNT title now is being treated cluster. like the 24 uh, seven championship. Yeah. It's like it's. <laughs> I nothing. can't argue with that. That's exactly what's you know? going on. I feel like they haven't done anything with it since they put it on him. But the let's let's Hulk's not. Title has been more. Uh, but let's let's not let's not try to uh throw as many barbs as we have i'm sure that the that being in the house for this is going to be absolutely insane without a doubt the the card from front to back will will definitely put together banger after banger and everything that AEW does on pay-per-view is more than worth the $50 that you have to spend in order to watch it. So this doesn't feel like it's anything different. Uh, I'm sure that it will be incredible wrestling and we're going to walk out of this and I'm hoping that they can surprise us. And at the end of the day, I just, I just want them to put more onus on them on the AEW title. I know I've been on my soapbox for months now complaining about how the, the AEW, uh, AEW title is not the most important thing on the show. And here we are arguably the, their WrestleMania, their biggest card of the year. And there is no AEW title, uh, title wait, match on wait. it at this point in time. We have one more dynamite and a rampage to get there to get through in order to get to the card. But at this point with microphone in front of my face, I'm saying they're messing up again. Yeah, but and Mike, then even know, no, and even even the casino ladder match. There's everything's to be determined. There's right. no participants in that match yet, and and that yeah. the winner of that receives the uh, uh, match against the champion. I, I don't know. I, I was gonna ask, that's what I was going to ask you guys if you had any guesses to the Joker. I, I, but who I else is no, in the match? It, to me, it forget about matter. the Joker. It, but right. how many all right, so Royal Rumble build up. You you have an idea of what, five or six guys, you know, yeah. you, you get there halfway there. Like it to me that doesn't matter. The casino battle royal is something that is just expected now, and you're gonna throw guys, get some on the card. No, this is the ladder match. match. Right. No. Not the oh, battle royal. Right. Not the battle royal. No. I'm so sorry. No. Then, if uh, it was battle royal, I, yes, but a I'm ladder a match, like a, I wanna know the participants week. of this match. <laughs> 
All right, fair enough. So I, I, I read the wrong thing. I blew it, guys. I'm raising my hand. But, I, uh, I just feel like we should have more answers by now, and maybe at the end of All Out, we're going to walk away and say, wow, all that clarity's worth it. The MG- MGF's right. back, and we have an answer to the punk mod. They delivered on pay-per-view, and Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho tore the house down. But my concern is that a lot of we're giving Tony too much credit. You mentioned rookie booking. We mentioned disjointed. How could you book yourself out of this mess and make it make sense? Of course, you could just throw MJF and inject him into the title picture and everyone would be happy in the moment, but it has to make sense. And I don't know how you get there. Maybe I'm not. Listen, I'm not. Admittedly, I'm not a wrestling booker. I'm not Jim Cornette. I can't. Maybe someone else in the back that he's listening. Maybe Dean Malenko has a whole bunch of ideas that he's throwing at him. But for right now, it seems very impossible. But I mean, one thing people are saying about all out last year. We were in this situation. We just had Christian beat Kenny Omega going into the title match. People were upset about everything went on. And look at All Out 2021. Everyone was saying it's one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Granted, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debuted in AEW, so it's hard to top that. Who were two guys that would be coming in? I think be met with a little bit disdain at this point because the roster is so bloated. I just don't know how the card gets there. And I'm willing to be happily surprised. And, of course, I'll be in the building I'm very excited for the whole weekend of wrestling. It sounds like we're poo-pooing it. That's The wrestling itself, we know we're going to get great yes. matches. We know we're going to yes. see amazing action. But for me, I'm, the storyline is lacking. And the storytelling is lacking from Tony Khan. I just want more because we got more before. We saw what he's capable of. Right. This is not it right now. No. And it felt like Dynamite was just announcement after announcement after announcement. We're booking the card all in one night. And, uh, you know... I, I, I feel silly that I uh, that I misread the casino ladder match for the battle royal. So I apologize. <laughs> no, but I think that's but, uh, but that's more of a commentary of what's going on as far as the booking goes. They, yeah, they've mentioned it twice. You know, what I mean, like yeah. I don't think they've mentioned it more than once. Not like anyone are cutting a promo backstage or they have any qualification matches similar to Money in the Bank. It just exists on the card. We're just expecting yep. it to happen. And look at the other mid card guys. Jungle Boy's involved in a match already. So is Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Those are main guys that you think could probably be right on the cusp of getting a world title, a world title shot Wardlow. Those guys are all kind of accounted for who's going to be in right. this match. So it's missing. You, is, yeah. it, is it Malachi hangman? Right. That's the thing too. Oh man. I don't, I don't want to keep dumping on him because <laughs> I can go in. <laughs> it's deserved though. I mean, like at the, at the end of the day, like people, I praise AEW. Yeah. It could be Dan house. And I guess, <laughs> <laughs> But the hate is deserved right now because they, they've left us out in the lurch a little bit. And for people to invest themselves in the product, we want a little bit more than this. And it's and it's not something that's going to completely turn me off to not watch. No. I'm fully invested in how they get out of this. And what they put on our television is, is worth your investment. And I'm not trying to say that at all. And it's easy for us to get caught up in the, the, the negatives. But I still have full faith that at the end of this weekend, we're going to have all out be the better premium live event pal than, uh, than what clash of the castle is. And I truly believe that. And I think that despite all of these shortcomings in the booking, I am fully invested in what they do and really how they can hit the restart button and get out of this and get out of this funk and be able to, you know, bring us back to where we want to. And I think that, you know, Kenny and the Bucks is is a good starting point of being able to really get us on track with, you know, even if they get the uh, the trios titles and that's where we end up. Um, I think at the end of the day, 
this will be a banger of a card. So, uh, man, get ready, buckle in, and uh, for you, buckle in on your flight and uh, get ready <laughs> for a one hell of a weekend. So, Nick, I'm looking forward to GCW too. We get a War Games in Chicago as well. That's going to be That's awesome. awesome as well. Oh man, this is this this should be some brutal war games, huh? All right, they. They got to step it up. It's more than blood and guts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> What's more than blood and guts? Yeah, it's dirt and stuff, stuff. baby. Yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. All right, Nick, why don't you take us home, man? All right, next week we'll be going over both cards uh, and and how we felt about both of them. Let's see if Matt's prediction reigns true. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Extra Cooler and on Twitter at Extra Cooler Show. Don't forget to follow and check out the Pod Foundation on social media at Pod Foundation. Uh, Ace, before you leave, plug yourself. Tell everyone where to find you and all the shows you're on. Sure, you guys can find me tomorrow night. We're talking episode 20 of Shot Nostalgia, August 26th and September 2nd. We are on the Go Home Show for Fall Brawl 1996, the Four Horsemen versus New World Order, Team WCW versus Team NWO. One of my favorite events to, of the year. Fall Brawl is amazing. I can't wait to cover it. Uh, and we're looking forward to having more guests. I know Chad's going to be joining us again for the debut of St- uh, Crow Sting. Uh, but also catch me to, uh, on the AW Wrap-Up Show. We're going to be talking, of course, the fallout of All Out, uh, the, the first Dynamite after All Out coming up on Wednesday. I'm all over the place. But Shot Nostalgia is my, my child, so I love it. I can't wait for uh, this week's episode. I'm telling you, God's work. If you haven't watched <laughs> Shot, Shot of Nostalgia on YouTube, please go over there, check it out, join the journey from the very beginning. Uh, Mike and Ace are doing some incredible work, so bravo, guys. I know I say it a lot, but it's it's I appreciate that. So definitely invest your time. Yeah. While you're at it, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, and tell all your friends about the Extra Cooler Show, available wherever you get your podcast, And give Ace a, a follow at AceFieldRetro. Uh, over on Instagram. Thanks, man, for for bringing us an excellent homework match. Uh, We greatly appreciate it and look forward to having you back on the show again. Thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to listening to next week's episode, how you guys talk about All Out and Clash of the Castle. Hell yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. See ya. On Survivor Series night, I will have worked for this company for 13 years. And in those 13 years, Vince McMahon has screwed with me professionally and personally. I must follow the light. There comes a time where you have to be held accountable for your actions. Even if your name is Vince McMahon. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. (laughs) Right, so, uh, right, what's so, uh, cooler? Oh, no. <laughs> this blew my mind. <laughs> the rhino, your rhino's and, uh, extra credit. Port, 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 port side heater. Extra credit. Nasty, nasty. Oh.